All right, good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. Let's take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Luke chapter 11. Let's read, 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 read verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 11. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you have, shall have a friend? Just go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. He from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not arise and give him, because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So, we're going to talk about prayer tonight. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your opportunity we have to be Assembled together to sing praises unto thy name and to open your precious word. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts and strengthen us in our walk with you. And uh, I pray that you help us to see the importance of prayer and to humble ourselves and seek your face. As your people, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> your prayer is, as they say, much talked about, not as much done. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of older preachers say we live in a prayerless age. You know, if you listen to old timers, and the old timers are all passing away. You know, I'm, I'm becoming an old timer. Told told somebody the other day, you know, yeah, you and I are becoming the old guys now. Um, you know, I'll be 60 here in a couple months. But anyway, you know, they used to talk about cottage prayer meetings and all night prayer meetings and and those kind of things, which are are unheard of in our day and time. We're too busy. Um, but you know, prayer was something that the disciples asked the Lord to teach them about. And this is, of course, a model prayer for God's people. It is not the Lord's Prayer. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer is John, found in John chapter 17. But, but So it gives us some things, some aspects or... Uh, uh, characteristics of of prayer, effective praying. First of all, there is reverence. And reverence, we find this in verse 2. He said unto them, When ye pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. And give us this day our daily bread. So, we see here there's, there's this reverence. Prayer is not demanding or commanding or uh, making a deal with God. 
you know, manipulating, uh, that kind of thing. It is asking, it is beseeching, it is coming before him, acknowledging that he is greater, he is superior to us, just like a father, you know, you know and again, this, this isn't the same illustration, but just as a father is to a son, a little child. God is superior or greater than us. Uh, it, it's acknowledging that we are his creatures, that he is our creator. It is acknowledging that our life is dependent upon him. If you notice, it says, give us day by day our daily bread. You know, it kind of reminds me in Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's chapter 8, where Moses told the children of Israel, it is God that giveth thee power to get wealth. You don't earn your daily bread by your own strength. You know, it's only by the grace of God. So this is acknowledging, so it's coming with humility and reverence before God that he is greater. Hallowed, of course, the idea of holiness, be thy name. And uh, it's, it's giving regard to the Lord. Exodus 9, you remember when Moses said there's going to be a plague, or a, uh, I think a hailstorm, and, they, and, if, and if, you, if you feared the Lord, you need to bring your cattle in. And the Bible says this, Even though the Egyptians, he that regardeth not the word of the Lord, left his servants and cattle in the field. But even, even if I remember reading that correctly, even some of the Egyptians brought their cattle in because they had regard or respect for the word of the Lord. And see, this is really the idea here. We're giving regard to or respect to the word of God. Psalm 28, verse 5 says, Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor their operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Psalm 31, 6 says, I have hated them that regard lying vanities. You know, when you go away from God, you regard lying vanities. Why is, why is what is happening in our nation happening? Do you ever really think about that? Because we're giving heed to lying vanities. We don't have any regard for God. You know, even the song we just sang... Um, Oh, worship the king. You know, this, this, because uh, I was thinking about this a little bit tonight. Uh, <clears throat> the last phrase of that song Our Maker, Defender. The horse is prepared for battle, Proverbs says, but safety is of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. And, you know, there was a time, in fact, you know, during the founding of our nation, there was always regard for God. There was always uh, them spending time in prayer. I mean, the, our founding fathers, and I don't believe all of them were saved men. Brian Franklin is noted for, for after one of the congresses that you know, they were wrangling back and forth for days and accomplishing nothing. And finally, he stands up, and he's 80-some years old, the oldest. Every room, all the room gets quiet. He says, basically says, men... When we were fighting the British, there was consistently prayer held in this room. But have we forgotten that the Lord builds the house and they labor in vain that build it? 
And he said, we're going to be no better off in Babylon if we fail to beseech the God of heaven for our purposes. You see, there was a regard or a fear, a great respect for God. For God. And so, you know, there has to be a reverence for the Lord. There needs to be, secondly, confession of sin. Uh, we see this in verse 4. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So there needs to be a confession of sin. Verse John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And that word confess means to agree with or say the same thing. Agree with uh, God about our sin. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 66.18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard it, if I hold on to it, iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And so, you know, we need to confess our sin if we want God to hear from us. There needs to be, thirdly, supplication. In verses 8 through 10, it says, And I say unto you, though he will not arise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh shall be opened. You know, I heard a guy say this one time. There was, there was a, <clears throat> and I don't, I don't know if it was an editorial, I can't try to remember where I read it. It was something about the township, in, back in Pennsylvania, something about the township uh, chipping, tarring a certain road, and somebody else is complaining because they didn't get their road chipping, tarring. And the, and the guy who early, whoever it was, said, well, the squeaky, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You complain about it. I mean, you, 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 you ask. You go after it. You know. Um, we can't be silent and expect God to undertake on our behalf. No, we have to beseech him. You know, Moses beseeched the Lord when, 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 when um, uh, Miriam was struck with leprosy. Moses besought the Lord very strongly. He didn't command God, but he besought the Lord for her. So there, there needs to be supplication. This, this means to request or to ask earnestly or sincerely. It's sort of like the rich young ruler. He came running. He came earnestly. You know, he came with a right attitude for his need, but he didn't have a right attitude for the word of the Lord. You know, he wasn't earnest. Hannah prayed in earnest. Though she didn't mouth words, she poured out her soul unto the Lord. And her supplication. James 5, 16, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Now, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, you're going to find that there were times where, where Jeremiah commanded or, or preached in the word of the Lord and the commandments of God, and they obeyed for just a little bit. I mean, for a, for, for, for a little short time, they sat there, the servants they were, they were holding unbiblically or unlawfully, the, the servants they were holding, the, the aristocrats, you know, the, the, the government princes and all them, they set them free for just a little bit, and then they turned around and took them back in bondage. No, he says we need to be wholehearted. Uh, Psalms chapter 119. And there's several verses in that psalm concerning this. Psalm 119 and verse 2 says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 34, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. And then again in verse 69, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. See, we need to seek him with our whole heart. Earnestly. Wholeheartedly. Seriously. As somebody would say, you know, if you... uh, you know, uh, somebody gets in a, wants to have a fight. You know, how do you want to have the fight? No holds barred is the old th- saying they used to say. You know, no holds barred. In other words, anything goes. Everything's open. You know, we need to come to God with no holds. Now, holding on to nothing. Holding on to nothing. We also need to pray in faith. Pray in faith. Verse 10 says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. This speaks of faith. Of faith. Faith that God will ask. And really, this is what this, this, uh, it's called a parable, here is all about. It's about asking in faith, believing that God will answer. Believing that he will answer. You know, in Ezra chapter 8, we see an example of this in verses 21 to 23. It says, then I, you know, Ezra is taking a group of people back to the land of Israel from Babylon. Or it might have been even Shushi, I'm not sure. But anyway, I think it was Babylon. And it's a dangerous journey. They have been given uh, the, the articles, you know, the uh, instruments and the, the uh, furniture of the tabernacle. Or tabernacle. You know, the gold cups and the silver. and I mean, they had millions of dollars worth of stuff that had been given to them by the king to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And, you know, these were all things that Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple when he ransacked Jerusalem and took everybody captive, and, and they took all that to Babylon. Now they're giving it back to him because Cyrus gave him a decree. They're giving it back to him and said, you take this back and you... Build again the temple and pray for the king. And so in Ezra 8, they're on their way back. They're started back. 
In Ezra 8, 21, it says, And then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Hava, Hava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all of them that for good that seek him. But his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. You know, he, he says, I was ashamed to ask the band of soldiers of the king, because we told the king, our God will protect us. He will provide for us. Our God is sovereign. He can even control the actions of thieves. And he can. You know, it really, one of, the things, one of the things that irritates me, there's many things that irritate me in this world, but one of the things that irritates me is to drive up to an intersection and to see some kind of Christian organization with buckets. You know, I, I'm still tempted one day to roll down my window and say, what's the matter? Isn't your God able to supply your needs? And we're, we're not to go begging to the world for the needs of his church. No, God, God has a way of providing, given us in the scriptures. And here that Ezra says, our God can protect us, but we need to beseech him. We need to ask him. We need to ask him. Believing that he will. You know, Mark 11, 22 and 23 says, And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So I can just ask for anything, and I believe God will give it to me. That's not really what it's saying. What it's saying is, you know, you keep, there's no private interpretation of Scripture, so Scripture has to be compared with Scripture and agree with other Scriptures. You know, we have to pray according to His will. If it's something according to His will, we can believe that God's going to give it to us. No matter how great the obstacle seems to be, if it's God's will, Yeah, that was the promise that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the Macedonian churches because they were doing God's will. He said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. God won't be a debtor to anyone. Matthew chapter 6 and... Verse 1 through 4 says this, Take heed that you do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, of course this is talking about giving, do not sign the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When thou doest alms, let not thy right hand know that thy left hand doeth, 
that an alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may, have, may, have, may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, you know, we need to pray in faith. You know, James chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. And again, there's many, many scriptures that bear this truth. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Well, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the sea, wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we're to ask of God wisdom, believing that he will give us wisdom. You know, I told the, the guys in Bible Institute class, Pastor theology class, you know, said, you know, you know, and we're talking about pastors getting discouraged or depressed. And I said, it happens. And sometimes it happens because you just don't know what to do. You know, they didn't tell you about the situation you're in in Pastor Theology 101. And I told them about the time I was sitting in the office in Maine, and a police car pulls up. And I meet the policeman at the door and invite him in, and he hands me a lawsuit for $15,000. That was about the size of our budget for the year. And I just went, I went, I took it, I went back to the office, and I didn't know what to do. I'd never been involved in anything like this in my life. Well, I had a little bit. I got sued one time when I was in Canada, too, by a fellow preacher, no less. But anyway, you know, I just prayed about it, and I started doing some research. And I didn't learn this in pastor theology class. It just, I just did what I thought was sensible and right, and I... I gathered together some information concerning how this lawsuit came about and the reason of the lawsuit and all this kind of stuff, and I took it to their lawyer, and I said, we'll pay $4,000 of it. We believe that's our part. But we, but we, as our church, believe that the rest of it, others are responsible for. Because there was foul play on part of others that caused the negligence to start with. And they accepted it. I mean, you know, I never imagined. I when it came through, I didn't know what to do. See, God gives direction. We just need to pray in faith, believing that He will answer. And then finally, we need to pray according to His will. In verse two of our text. It says, 
He said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Thy will be done. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. You know, to delight yourself in the Lord means you delight on what is his will. It's his will. Um, in 1 John 5, in verses 14 and 15, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So we need to ask according to his will. We need to, we need to be, you may not really know what exactly his will is for the situation. I wasn't, didn't really know what I, how I was going to proceed with this lawsuit thing. I just went out day by day. I started asking questions of people that knew about it. Because it, it had happened years before, and, and it had, the, the, the money figure had grown from 4000 to 15000 because it kept adding interest to it. So, you know, there was others that knew about what had happened. It was an accident, involving an accident. They knew, so I began asking questions, and the whys, and, you know, and all these things, day by day. You know, if we are seeking God's will... He will show us his will in his time. He doesn't always make it known to us immediately. You know, when Paul was endeavored to go into Asia, God didn't make his will known immediately. He endeavored to go into Asia, Spirit said no. So he endeavored to go into Mysia, I think it was, and again, the Spirit suffered him not. And then, it was after the second effort he made to go into another place, and the Spirit said no, and then he got the vision from Macedonia. See, he didn't get the vision from Macedonia right away. But he was seeking and asking for God's will to be done and played out in his life. You know, James, again, speaks much about this. In James chapter 4, he says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. So sometimes, we, if we're not, we, sometimes you know, we may ask because of what we want. No, we need to ask, what does God want? Seeking God's will. You we to come to him with the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried. You know, the poor in the scriptures doesn't necessarily mean I don't have any money in my pockets. Poor speaks of lowly in heart. In other words, humble, meek. And so this poor man cried. He was seeking Help from God, or the way of God. And this is how we need to come to the Lord. Your prayer is an important part, aspect of the Christian life. 
And I fear that sometimes, well, I fear we are in the situation we are in, in our nation because of a lack of prayer on the part of God's people and seriousness. You know, one of the things Paul said, wrote to the churches at Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verses 1 and 2, he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us, that word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Look at 2 Timothy. Actually, it's 1 Timothy chapter 2. Again, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. You know, we need to pray, you know, bringing supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving a thanks, all these things. He says, for kings, for all that are in authority. You know, do we pray for, do you pray for your pastor? That the word of the Lord would have free course? Have boldness to declare the truth. You know, we're we're facing some situations in our nation that are gonna try us. I do believe. I don't know if you're aware of this, I just became aware of this this week. That in Canada they passed a new law threatening to criminalize evangelism. This, is in, this was uh, uh, on a website called Red-Blooded Conservative. I saw it first on a church website. And I hadn't heard of it prior to that. But anyway, the article says this. January 20th, 2022 is the date. Quote, Canada recently approved a conversion therapy ban that condemns orthodox Christian doctrine focused on the sinfulness of homosexuality and transgenderism as a myth. The bill known as C4, and here's the scary part, passed unanimously in both Senate and House of Commons in Canada. Now pastors will be threatened with up to five years of prison time if they continue to remain faithful to what they believe is the word of God. <clears throat> and there was, I guess, some American pastors in solidarity with their, with their Canadian pastors preached on sexual ethics on Sunday, last Sunday, actually. Uh, yeah, January 16th. Of course, I spoke about it on last Thursday night, 13th, but... Anyway, um, there's two churches that are talked about here, two pastors in Canada, um, Jacob Room, I'm not sure how you say his name, anyway, of Trinity Bible Chapel, Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist, uh, 
and uh, they said they are taking a, talking about the future implications of C4 and how ch- Canadian church is planning to respond. This Reams church was saddled with over 100,000 in fines last year because they would not shut their doors in the midst of the COVID-19 lockdowns. He said the new law would make the preaching of the biblical gospel a criminal act. He said the biblical gospel is a message of conversion, whereby Christ causes sinners to be born again, thus converting them to sinful propensities to, to godliness. The bill's language is vague enough to make that many think it might criminalize a biblical call to forsake sodomic propensities to embrace righteousness, Pastor Room explained. Pastor Stevens was put in the maximum security jail facility last summer for using to, refusing to close his doors. He said that the new law is too broad in defining conversion therapy. It enshrines progressive gender ideology and queer theory as normative. Uh, <clears throat> And here's the sad thing, he said. He did say that many churches in his nation already avoid this subject in their congregations. And the end of the article, it says this. Stevens said that the U.S. is behind Canada, but the ideas are there, and they will eventually bear fruit unless the roots are pulled up. These pastors believe that the church must lead. But American evangelicalism looks a lot like Canada. Only a few voices are willing to be heard. See, the problem is, in many churches, we're more concerned about our assets than we are about the truth and the whole counsel of God. And when we are more concerned about our assets, I believe we cease to be a church. You know, I was thinking about reading this. I thought about conversion therapy. Is that going to apply to converting Muslims? You know what this is exactly like? Sharia law. In Saudi Arabia, in Iran. It's really no different. It's right next door. Coming soon to a town near you. And after all, we now have, according to the Epic Times, 25 federal agencies tracking employees with religious exemptions. 25 federal agencies. Um, I read all this for sake of time, but just a couple of things. Descriptions of the religious exemption tracking system don't specifically name the COVID-19 vaccination as one of the mandates. So, again, it isn't limited to just COVID. So they've left it open-ended for other things as well. However, the notices do state that the new system is in response to guidelines issued by the newly created Safer Federal Workforce Task Force under Biden's executive order that established the nationwide COVID-19 vaccine mandate. This system of records maintains personal religious information collected in response to religious accommodation, requests for religious exemption, exception from the federally mandated vaccination requirement in the context of a public health emergency or similar similar, uh, health and safety incidents, such as a pandemic, epidemic, natural disaster, or national or regional, one of the notices reads. As... The nation's largest employer. Do you realize the federal government employs more people than anything, anyone else? 
Four million civilian and military employees. The federal government has received tens of thousands of religious exemption requests, the Heritage Foundation wrote in its updated report. Now appears an increasing number of federal agencies are keeping and preserving those individual names, religious information, personally identifying information, and other data stored in lists across multiple government agencies. Um, last week, the Supreme Court struck down President Joe Biden's executive order that mandated a COVID-19 vaccine or weekly testing workers at private businesses with more than 100 employees. The court didn't overturn the vaccination mandate for health care workers or military members. Those employees can only avoid the vaccine 19, COVID-19 vaccine by applying for a religious exemption. You know, this, that's the set. You know, a lot of people uh, heralded the Supreme Court decision. It, it really wasn't very good. So we just denied anybody that's a federal employee the right to their health. And by the way, that's what they're going on in hospitals. Just got the Epic Times today. There's an article in there about two different people, both in Florida, both in a Mayo Clinic, Mayo Clinic in Florida. One is suing and, and trying to get court order from a judge to give ivermectin to the dying husband and father. That's been denied. Another one, and the guy was 77 years old, he got COVID and they got pneumonia. So, you know, they gave him remdesivir, which does nothing. And then the doctor said, there's nothing more I can do. And he said, you're serious? There's nothing else? He said, try something else. He said, I don't have anything else to try. He wasn't on the ventilator yet. He said, the only thing left to do is put you on a ventilator. He said, well... I refuse that. And he said, I want, to, I want out of here. He said, we can't let you go. He said, since when was it your right to tell me whether I can stay or not? And he raised enough ruckus that they let him go the next night. His son came and picked him up. And his son and mother thought he was going to die, but they took him to a frontline doctor who gave him the protocol of ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin uh, D, zinc, and some other things. And he's fully recovered. He was 77 years old. You see, they, the government bureaucracies are now controlling our health care. You know, where, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Uh, this is what I believe where we're going with this, and this is why we need to pray for pastors and for churches to be bold, because they are trying to purge government of conservatives and Christians. And I don't know who the congressman was that said some time ago, this effort is nothing more than trying to purge all Christians out of the military. And it's only going to be a matter of time till they start dictating or trying to what we can say and what you can say in your witness to those you meet. This is where it's going. And so we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. 
We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for pastors to have boldness to speak. Paul said that, I, that the word of the Lord may have free course. He said we're to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is the will of God. This is, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's the will of God. And his purpose is to have all men to be saved and to come into knowledge of the truth. See, this pleases God. Prayer pleases God. Are you pleasing him?